Happy New Year! Welcome to episode 5 of The Texture Lounge. I'm really excited about this one. Um, Jamal Edmonds is an uber-talented Mazani artist and stylist, has uh, a couple of salons in the DMV area. And um, I recently worked with him as part of um, a project with Mazani to renovate his salon space. And oh my God, it looks amazing. So if you're ever in the area, that is where you want to be going to have the ultimate Limage in the city experience. Anyway, enough of all that stuff. Um, Before we get started with the interview, it's a new year. I'd really appreciate it if you are enjoying uh, this series to please give me a fantastic five-star review or a rating on iTunes or wherever you get this from. Uh, Leave comments. You know, I'm trying to build this thing and I can't do this without you guys. So more of that. Okay, now to the interview. Enjoy. Jamal Edmonds. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, welcome to the Texture Lounge, number one. Thanks for having me. Not at all. This is so overdue. I know. Way. Yes. So, <laughs> so um, for those of you who don't know Jamal Edmonds, he is uh, the owner of the Limage brand salons, right? So that's two salons that you have now, yes. right? In the DMV area? Yes. Okay. So it's Salon Limage, which is my first salon. It's a booth rental salon that I opened in. It's been about 15 years now. Um a little over 15 years, actually. And that was the first location. I started in D.C., and then I transitioned into Maryland um, five years ago. Okay. And then two years ago, I opened La Margina City, which is in um, D.C. Great. Yep. So I started in D.C., went to Maryland, and then reopened in D.C., wow. which was fun. I mean, I, I feel like when I left D.C., um, I left because I kind of wanted something a little bit more quiet. Um, a larger space but then like it was just like the city was calling me so I had to like come back and then I ended up coming back to um, this location my the first salon that I ever opened Mm -hmm. was right up on Georgia Avenue so maybe about 10 minutes away from here so when I found this space I was like wow it's like my stomping grounds I kind of I didn't grow up in the area but I lived in Northwest Um, so it feels good to be back in the city and I feel like I miss like you know the city vibe yeah, totally. um, I've gotten used to the suburbs and the quiet, like where I live. Um, we live like in a really, really quiet neighborhood. So it's like now I have the best of both worlds. So I get some city life and then I get the suburb life, um, which is fun. Okay, so if I was to ask you to give us your elevator pitch and describe what you do in one sentence, pretty succinctly, what would you say? So what I do in one sentence... Um, as far as what what I do with styling or just in who general? Jamal Edmonds is, okay. If you so have to summarize that. So I feel do. like I am a natural nurturer. Um, I love people. Uh, I see the good in everyone. I'm a huge um, optimist, and um, I always want to push people to their full potential. And I think not just in hairdressing or managing and owning a salon, but just in life. Um, I always try to see the positive in every situation. I always try to um, help whenever I can. I'm not even the oldest kid, but I'm like the second oldest. And I grew up like taking care of my sister, my mom. And so I am a natural nurturer. So like I care for it. Like I'm very, very kind hearted. kind of mild spirit I would say but I like that's just like one of my things like I love to take care of people and um especially with developing my team and talent like I truly yeah. have a passion for that and I could I could tell because yeah. I was just sitting in the corner while you were yes. having a staff meeting yes. and I was like wow you can really <laughs> tell he's yeah. really knows how to push you know it sounds like you really know and understand how to push a team yes. without pushing them away yes um, and keeping them super engaged. Yeah. So um, I guess if we go back in time, tell me about when you were much younger. Did you always dream to be a hairdresser or would, was there something else that you wanted to be? So actually, it's so funny when I tell people this story, they're like, what? But I originally wanted to be an architect. 
Yeah, so. <laughs> Honestly, the number of people I've interviewed now, like they surprise me every time yeah. with their, what they mm-hmm. thought they were going to be. Yep. But an architect, okay? Yeah, an architect. Like I love, um, especially like beautiful buildings and um, architecture. I've always had like an eye for that. And when I travel, I, that's all I look at. And um, I love skyscrapers. Um, when I go overseas, I'm like obsessed with just the buildings, museums, that type of thing. Um, Ooh, busy so, man. <laughs> and so um, I definitely did not think that I would be a, hair, a hairdresser. I started at a very early age, though, like, um, you know, experimenting with my sister's dolls, cutting the hair, spraying color paint on it <laughs> and all of that. And I found out that, you know, I had a gift. And um, I, I really didn't think, it wasn't until I went to school, I was maybe in the ninth or 10th grade, where I really felt like, okay, I could make some money with this. Mm. And my grandfather was an entrepreneur, he was a chef. And um, he poured all of his just wisdom into me and he pushed me. So like my, my dad is super masculine, so, and my brother's a super masculine, or my brother, my older brother. And so being a hairdresser wasn't like something that they were excited about. Right. But I went to my grandmother and my grandfather and they raised me for a portion of my life. And um, they were just like, hey, if this is what you want to do, do it. And um, enrolled me in school and like the rest is history. So like I, I had a really, really good support system in the beginning, okay. which I think is so very important because, you know, people have so many hidden talents, but you would never know if you don't have that right support. Right. And um, they always pushed me to do whatever it was that I wanted to do. And, you know, my sexuality or and at that point, I didn't even know that I was gay. Okay. But I was going to ask. Yeah. I didn't know. But I didn't know what I, if I was gay or not. I was still trying to figure that part out. Right. But. They just knew that, you know, being gay or being a, a male, being a hairdresser, yeah. ultimately could mean that you would be gay. Okay. And so I think that that was the part that they were trying to avoid. Right. But, you know, my grandparents, again, like they were super cool with it and they pushed me in it. And um, they went, my grandmother went and enrolled me in school and um, I flourished, you know, like it was, it was like I flew through school. Like, I think I was done school in maybe nine months. And oh, wow. yeah, it was it was really quick for me. And, um, you know, like the funny thing is that I the first salon that I owned, I didn't even want to be a salon owner. Um, I didn't have any plans on what I really wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to do hair. And so um, the salon that I was working for, the young lady, she said that she was leaving or she was going to um, not leave, but she was closing the business. And I was every bit of like 20. And so I called the landlord and I had met him before. It was a very, very small um, space just like this. It's like this is almost the exact same layout. It was on a second level, about this much space and um, two shampoo bowls, but it was four stations. And um, when when I contacted him, I was like, hey, I just want to know how much the rent is. And he was like, how old are you? That was that was his first question. And I was like, well, I'm 20. You what I I think I was 20 or 21. She was like, you're a very smart young young man. And then I told him I said, well, her name was Angie. I said, Angie said she's closing a salon and I've built a, a clientele here, so I don't really want to leave. And this was the second salon that I had went into. Wow. <clears throat> and so when you after commission, that commission status? No, it was I was always booth rental. Well, no, the first, the very first salon I went in, I was on commission. Like I did commission um, for maybe about six months. Okay. And then I found this place and that's where I went here. And it was in DC, um, same location that I actually, so I took over the location. So she left, called, I called the um, landlord, asked him what the rent was. I think the rent back there was like 500 bucks. So I'm like, okay. Ugh. Yeah, I'm like, 500 bucks, I can do this. You know, and I, like, I had no business experience. I didn't know what the hell I was getting into. But I was like, I'm going I'm to jump out on faith. Like, I'm a, a true spiritual person. So I believe that things happen for a reason. So I was like, I'm going to just see and see what happens. And the guy was like, um, he said he owned another location. And he actually had licenses for that place. So he said... I'm going to do you. He said, you're a smart kid and I see that you have potential. I'm going to allow you to work under my business licenses. 
until you get yours. And so I went to school. Um, like I said, it took me very, a uh, very short amount of time. It was like nine months. Went to school, got my license, went right back and got my management license. So I was done that in like a year and a half. Um, and then I just, you know, I took over the space, eventually got everything transferred into my name. And um, that was history. Like, and that's, that was the beginning for me. So, I mean, clearly you were super creative and you loved yes. hair. You just wanted to put your hands in hair and, and work doing that. But mm-hmm. how did you, where did you learn the business side of things then? Because that's yeah. quite a lot to take on mm-hmm. as a 20 or 21 year old. Yes. How did you learn how to build a business? So, um, to be honest with you, I am a very open-minded person and I use every um, situation and experience as a learning experience or um, a learn learning moment is what I always call it. And so I just, you know, um, I never went to college for business or anything like that. And I just, I did a lot of research. I studied like successful salons and how they ran their business. And of course, I definitely would say being a part of Mazzani has definitely helped me elevate uh, my business because I've learned so much just through that journey. Um, so I do, you know, um, I have to say that because I, I, I definitely think that the opportunities that I've got, that I've had just with the brand, um, it's helped me, you know, develop myself as a, as a professional. And it's also like, I'm so super interested in business, period. Like, I and I tell. think that's, yeah, I can, I can kind of, I kind of feel like that's where I'm shifting as a professional. Um, kind of like, I want to come from behind the chair as much because I love the fact that I don't know how much you paid attention to what we were talking about in our meeting, but like I have a super engaged team and it's like they hang on to my every word and I really try to push them into their full potential. And so I noticed that I have the skill for that. So to be able to empower them to be just as good as me or even better than me, you know, because at the end of the day, this is my legacy. Like when I leave this place, I want them to know, you know, that, I'm not just, you know, it's not just about hair for me or being a hairstylist, but it was to actually empower people and inspire people to be better hairstylists. You're just answering all the questions that I have on the <laughs> like, ahead of time. <laughs> I'm sitting here going, right, what am I going to ask next? That's awesome, though. That's, really, that's, that's, you know, that's, for me, it's very inspiring yeah. to hear that you've come from a background of, you know, not having a history or mm-hmm. knowledge about how to build a business, etc., but you've managed to sort of take your learning, take your learnings along the way yeah. and build from that. And to be honest with you, and I've never shared this with any of the Mazzani teams, but like for me, um, any of the Mazzani team members, not even Kate, but like my growing, like growing up, my earlier years were not the best years. Like my mom and dad were drug abusers. Um, I lived in a shelter for a time. You did? Um, yeah. So um, it was... So my mom was like... So my mom is mentally ill. I don't know if I've shared that with you before. But like my mom is mentally ill. We have mental illness that runs in our family. And okay. um, my mom is like the second youngest girl of five siblings. And um, for whatever reason, her dad was mentally ill. My older aunt is mentally ill. My mom is wow. mentally ill. And so mental illness is like a huge thing in my family. And um, for a point, point of time, you know, like I said, I was raised by my grandmother and my grandfather at some point, and it was because my, of my mom's illness. And then you add, you have mental illness and then you add drug abuse to it, disaster. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, my mother was just, she did. And like, for me, I, I look at the story and I like, I'm totally, I love my mother and I wouldn't change anything about just my journey because I feel like it's it made me who I am. But, um, you know, she did the best that she could. And um, oftentimes, like, we, we stayed in the shelter for not a long period of time because my grandparents, you know, came and got us. And my younger sister, two, my, me my, and my two younger sisters, okay. they came and got us. But it's funny because out of, uh, I have a huge family. And my mother, her kids did not have the best story, you know. But we managed to become... All, not the most successful, but we're all independent, successful, and our own right um, people. And I think that, you know, coming from living in the ghetto, being in a shelter, both my dad stayed in jail, like, un- until I was a teenager. Um, you know, you can either go one way or the other. Right. And I think that 
seeing all of this as such a young kid. And that's why when I say like I'm a natural nurturer, like I cared for my mom and my, my sisters growing up because I'm the second oldest. So, you know, whatever happened, I had to take care of my sisters. You know, when mom wasn't around, I had to make sure that they went to school. I had to make sure I went to school and I just became a person that was just like, either I'm going to do what she does or what I see and what I learn, or I'm going to do the complete opposite. Mm. And so never, ever, like never touched a drug in my life. You know, I just, yeah. So I, you know, I stayed away from that stuff because I saw what it did to my family members. And um, for me, I think that it built character, you know, for me. And, and it was, you know, like, I'm a, like, if I set a goal, I'm going to do it. Like I'm a man of my word. If I tell you something, I'm going to do it. And I just, I think that, that the beginning was kind of it shaped me into who I became as an adult and like I said I wouldn't change the world like I forgive my dad and my mom for whatever happened but you know a lot of times I think that young men that come from where I come from don't end up where I am and so I'm grateful and I appreciate every every opportunity everything that has happened to make me who I am Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I had no clue. No. That's, 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 uh, no, yeah. I really appreciate you sharing that with me. Wow. Okay. All right. So I want to go back to you earlier on. You talked about how architecture was something that um, was interesting to yes. you. So talking about architecture and buildings and... Right now we're sitting in your brand new modeled uh, salon, yes. which looks awesome. Um I'm, I hope that you're happy yes, with it. Obviously, I'm, it was a project that Mizani yes. collaborated with you on. Yes. Um, and so that's probably one of the reasons why I delayed recording this mm-hmm. till now. Because yes. I wanted it to be in this space. Because yes. um, it kind of just pulls everything together. What was your... Did you ever think that you would... Like, what is your final thought on what this space looks like? Knowing that you have an interest in architecture. Mm-hmm. Well, it's so funny because like, I feel like when I met Tess and Peter... We we were supposed to be having a, like a formal meeting, but it turned out to we were just hanging out having lunch, and I feel like they captured every essence of me, and they put it in this salon. So every day that I walk in here, I'm still amazed by just what it looks like and where where we came from, and um, I'm so super excited because I just feel like every little thing is just. You know, it's just a part of who I am and it reflects, you know, what I would like the clients to see. Mm-hmm. And um, being that I love architecture, even the strong lines on the model's hair, you know, it's all yeah. kind of reminiscent on just what, on just where I began or what I what was interested in as a young kid. So I do feel like it's like full circle because, you know, just coming into this space, like whenever I come in, it's, you know, everything is so crisp and clean Mm -hmm. and um, the lines are so like, and then it's texture everywhere. Yeah. And like, I am a true texture artist. And so to be able to see the grain in the tables and the wood on the cabinets and um, the imagery on the walls and the the detail in the mirrors and, you know, um, just looking at how the fabric looks in the pictures you know, it just, it definitely is very reminiscent of just what, who I am and um, the brand also. I feel like, you know, everything in here, it just, it matters. All of the details, like even the light has mm-hmm. texture to it, you know. So it is very, very important to me that, you know, when we met, that they were able to really, because I know that it was a Mazzani, um collaboration, but to not. To have myself somewhere in oh, here. Oh, yeah. You know, and I feel like it's a great representation of Jamal Edmonds and Mazzani. Yeah. You know? Totally. So, uh, for those of you listening, uh, when Jamal mentions Tess and Peter, they are the salon designers that um, redesigned the Lamage in the City salon space here in D.C. for Jamal. And that was really important to us. This was yes. not supposed to be a Mazzani space mm-hmm. whatsoever. Yes. It was more a case of you know, working with you to mm-hmm. make sure that we could create something that had your signature, mm-hmm. you know, that we could back, mm-hmm. you know. So how's yes. business been since the remodel? Business has been amazing. Like I was just telling to um, telling them earlier that we'll probably end up opening seven days a week because we've been 
so busy, you know, like um, strategizing. And I think that this was such a great way for me to really just um, kind of light a fire to what was already happening. You know, I've been in this space for, it'll be three years in um, April. And um, we have like business has, has been really, really good. You know, um, I've done some marketing initiatives, of course, to show the beautiful space. Um, we've done like when the space was actually just opening, we did a whole bunch of like neighborhood stuff. And um, I did some videos and we redid social media. And so it's just been really helpful. I think that we had some great talent, you know, but the salon is just so beautiful that people just want to come and see it. And when they get here, you know, they are in love with just the culture and the stylists and the services. And so it's almost like they don't ever want to leave. Right. So I think, like I said, this was a, just a great way to kind of light the fire to what was really already happening. And um, I'm so grateful and appreciative because it's able to... So my thing was to... to you don't see very many... Um, textured salons that are black owned um, especially in DC that still have the the morals and principles of running a salon the way that it should be ran oh my god yeah yeah and that is that is my um, promise to my staff and my clients that you know I want to be I want to be the salon that set the example you know it's time for us to set the bar back where it should be you know, we are professionals. People don't take this industry serious because a lot of salons don't, you know, do the necessary steps that they need to do in order to remain professional. But why do you think that is? Why do you, why is it, it's consistently amongst, you know, yeah. our market of salons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why is the professionalism so low in priority? Well, because I think that what happens is that um, you get in a salon and you get used to the money. And that's to be honest, like that's what I see. And just to share with you, you know, I have a booth rental space and I have a commission space and it's very, very hard to motivate, motivate booth renters. And that's part of the reason why people don't even really want to deal with it because it's like, you can't really regulate. You can, and I mean, you can to a certain extent, but at the end of the day, they feel like they're independent because they have their own space. So for me, I think that um, the professionalism lacks because we get accustomed to doing things the way that we want to do it, and it's never consistent. And I think I was at training before, and what I learned is that they they kind of used restaurants as kind of like an example. And prime example, when you go to a cheesecake factory, you're always going to have the waiters or the waitresses will have on white. You're going to easily be able to identify them. You're going to get the same service each and every time. Same greeting, same, pretty much same service. And, but when you walk into a salon, it's going to be completely different. You know, this salon, you might get this, this salon, you might get, might get that. And so that is one of the issues that I have and that I see and that I feel like it needs to be a, a salon in our market that is able to show people that this is what could be done. This is how you can run your business. It takes a lot of work, though. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it really does. And I also think that that's another re- reason, excuse me, people don't want to put the work in, you know, and especially in this time where you can just go on Instagram and become an overnight sensation. You know, people are not used to putting the time in. And for anything to be successful, you have to be consistent at it. And that's what I, that's what I preach and teach to my staff. You have to be consistent. You can't just wake up one day, do this, and then move on to the next thing because you feel like it's not moving the way that it should. Mm-hmm. I always tell people it took me a good between eight and ten years to, to gain a solid clientele. And when I mean solid, I mean not the girls that are just coming looking for the next best thing, but loyal clients. So it's to a point now that I don't even have to look at my book when I leave jo- my job because I know that I'm going to be booked between on Fridays, 8 and 6.30, on Thursdays, 9 to 6.30. And on Saturdays, when I'm in Maryland, from 6 to 2. And here in D.C., from 8 to 2. I already know. So I don't even have to look in my book. I mean, I'll look just to make sure that I have the things necessary for the services, but I don't have to guess, like, 
what my money's going to be like because I've consistently put in the work to build that clientele. But a lot of times people don't do that. Yeah. And so it's, it's tough and it's difficult. And then it also sends the wrong message because then when you are a salon that's thriving, that's trying to do the right things, you know, people are, oh, well, you guys charge too much. Oh, or this. But it's like we charge, we charge you this because, you know, we provide you with superior customer service and you're getting all of the best treatments and you're getting the the time with your stylist. And so it all it all plays a, a part in being successful. And I just think that people, if you put the work in, it'll eventually come. How does the role of recruiting new staff members play a role in supporting the morals and the standards that you have? So we've just talked about how customer service is super important yeah. and you know, in the training that you just had that I sat in on this, yes. the whole conversation about, you know, greeting customers when mm-hmm. they walk in yes. within a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. offering them a drink, etc. How does, how does, what do you look for when you're recruiting new stylists to your salon to ensure that that message is going to be supported by them in their time here? So to be honest with you, like my hugest, um, my biggest marketing or the biggest way that I look for, um, new um, hires is is um, Instagram. So I look at work, work ethic and I look at um, the flair because I feel like being a stylist, like I'm trying to create a star team where, you know, they all are equally not just passionate, but they are good stylists. And so I look, um, we do an interviewing process um, but what I look well, what I look for is I look for the technical abilities. Okay. Um, even looking down to like what they write, how they write it. You know, um, I look for what they do on their off time. Like all of those things are important. And then I also have tons and tons of people that just fill out applications online all the time. But I do my research, and if I feel like it's anything that's going to, you know, it's not in the best interest of the brand or um, if they won't mesh well with the team, then I'm very, very um, funny about bringing them on board. But, you know, the process is I look for them. If they've hired or if they filled out an application, then I'll bring them in for an interview. And um, what I do is I bring them in. We talk. I see, you know, see how they are. Um, and then if I like them, I'll bring them back for a technical interview. So they have to be able to do color, haircuts, blowouts. They definitely have to be able to do textured hair because that's something that we specialize in here. Um, And then I just look at the entire package. So it's not just really about... And then I also, to be honest, I look for young, open-minded people that I can mold into, you know, people that want to be led by someone that's making, you know, some stride in the industry. Um, So for me... You know, my team that was here that you met today, like, are an amazing team. And even though, you know, real life and you sat in on one of our meetings and you heard just how we interact with each other, but it's all love. But at the end of the the day, they know that Jamal Edmonds will crack the whip if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And each and every one of them said that. But I hold I make I hold I make them hold themselves accountable. And that's the great thing. Like, it's such a cool culture here because they look out for each other. Like the other day, it warmed my heart. One of the stylists wasn't even working and she came in and they were finishing up, but they were so busy and she started cleaning up after them. Mm. I mean, like when I tell you, I, I FaceTimed her because I'm checking on them and I literally face them when I'm not in this location. I'll call and check in. So how's you everything FaceTime going? the oh, team. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Awesome. That's interesting. Very oh, awesome. yeah. Oh, okay. I FaceTime them at least once a day because I need to see what's going on. Okay. And um, it's funny because they'll see me FaceTime. That I FaceTime one, they don't answer. I go to the next one. Somebody, <laughs> will, somebody will answer. But um, when I FaceTimed her, she was back there cleaning up. And I was like, oh, my. You know, it just warmed my heart because I felt like, you know, it's a true team. Yeah. So for me, it's not just about who they are. You know, I definitely look for a look. Um, I definitely okay. want. Yeah. I, you definitely have to have a look because I feel like hairdressing is glamorous. You know, people want to go to a beautiful fly hairstylist. Like this one. <laughs> so um, I do look for a look. I definitely look for skills. But I also look for open-minded um, yeah. stylists. 
All right, so you're clearly a texture expert that we know. Yes. Uh, it's your speciality and what you guys do um, do here. What do you say to the salons out there that know not very much about texture, who may turn away a textured clientele before turn away a textured client because they don't know how to do the hair? Yes. What do you say to those salons? So to those salons, I would say you need to get a Mazzani educator in there to show you some stuff about texture. I mean, honestly, because you can't learn. And it is very, very um, scary. You know, when you when you don't know how to do something and you have a client that comes in with this massive amount of hair and they sit in your chair and you're, you have no clue where to start. Um, I definitely, I always recommend that you read on pro you read up on products. Um, so I do want to say YouTube because even though it's a gift and a curse, um, I, I think that you can learn some stuff from YouTube as stylists too. And then you also can kind of keep yourself well-versed on what's happening, you know, in the world of texture, especially because you will have people that will come in and they have all these questions about, is my hair 4C or is it this, is it that? Or, you know, um, they pre-pooing and all of these terms that you wouldn't necessarily know, you know, if you are not in that textured world. Right. So YouTube, I think, again, is a gift and a curse, but I think you can use it. But I would also say go after your, look at who your texture experts are. And seek them out for education. You know, Mazzani has a great education team, and we teach texture all day long, texture and texture out. So uh, my advice would be to, like, connect with someone like that. Know what you're doing before you dive in. Because I think the most, the biggest complaint that I hear is not that you can't get the hair smooth, but it's that the hair doesn't stay smooth. So... You know, it's easy to, to flat iron and blow dry someone with texture hair and their hair is beautiful for 10 minutes. But as soon as they go out and hit humidity mm -hmm. or, you know, um, it'll frizz up or it'll revert or, you know, you get to the ends and they haven't had a trim in six months and the flat iron or the comb isn't gliding through. So now what's next? Right. You know, so and I always say that, you know, you have to know how to deal with texture and it's more about the longevity of a style instead of the style in that moment, if that makes sense. Because right. for me, you know, I pride myself with not just being able to blow out a nice fro or nice um, head of textured hair, but how long is it going to last? You know, if a, if a woman comes in and spends $130 on a blowout and a trim and it only lasts for two days, you know, it's, it's not, they're going to be pissed. Right. You know, they're going to be upset about that. And so, you really have to understand texture. And that's what I think a lot of people don't. And then what products to use, I think, are also important. All right. So for those on those days when you maybe walk into the salon or you wake up and you're like, oh, I just don't feel it today. I'm, I'm not, I don't have the, the full energy that I normally would have. What do you turn to to pick you up? Like what makes you turn up 110%? This is an interesting question. Um, only because I've been like doing a lot of um, soul searching just for me. Okay. And, and um, trying to figure out, you know, what makes me happy and what doesn't. And I feel like prayer is always important to me. Like when I get into a space where I'm just not feeling it, you know, like I literally will go to the back, take a moment, decompress like count backwards from 10 and um, say a prayer. And then um, I always, I don't know, for me, like it's not even a, a specific, I definitely need that. But it's not like I go anywhere, like for inspiration. Mm -hmm. I kind of pull it from within, if that even makes sense. Of course it does, yeah. But you take like, a moment. Yeah, yeah, I like literally take a moment. Like I take a moment, I decompress whatever it is that I'm thinking about or whatever's happening around me. I have to get away from it. And when I get away from it, you know, um, I ground myself a little more and then it comes back to me just like that. And I think that's just the passion inside of me mm -hmm. um, because it, I don't, and it's funny because I don't, I rarely lose it. I rarely lose it. And I think that the older I get, the more passionate that I become about this industry where I don't have many of those days anymore. Like I've sometimes been in like um, a creative space where say for instance, like Naha right. for the shoot for that. 
um, I'll get in front of the camera and I'll be doing something and it doesn't really come out the way that I need it to come out. And then I get frustrated, you know, but like this, this year I learned that, um, take a step back. And so Chris Sorby, who's amazing, she, she was our mentor for that shoot. And she told me, she said, take a step back, leave your model on set, take a step back. Look, take her, pull her into your chair. Look, and when I say that, that was like, I mean, it wasn't even anything major. I know, right? It's the you know, but thing. yeah, sometimes it is. It's just the simplest things. But for me, that has been something that saved me. Like now, when I lose that creative part, like I, I just ground myself. I take a step back and I just look at what I'm doing. I mean, like, in the chair, it's really, really easy for me because I'm such a creative being. Like, I very, very rarely get stuck, you know, in a chair. Or even, I sometimes do get stuck with how to motivate my staff. Um, and that's something that I'm working on, just being able okay. to, you know, kind of come up with quick solutions. And maybe it's not, maybe it's not a quick solution. Maybe I need to really really dig deeper right. but I think like I rarely rarely get lost behind the chair or when I'm creating um, but the times that I do I think that just taking a step back removing myself from what's at whatever's going on just grounding myself is what kind of pushes me to the next phase so you've been hairdressing for how many years now um coming up on 24 this year 24 years yeah. mm -hmm. wowzers yeah What's been your greatest uh, career moment for you? Your highest high? Um, so my highest moment was, I think, um, well, two that I could that I want to share. Um, one was joining Mazzani team. Okay. Um, and I and I it, did not tell him to say this, but no. <laughs> well, no, and and because it came in a place, it came in a time where, and it's funny because just the the question that you just asked me, how do I get inspiration when I'm stuck? That was my inspiration at that moment. So I think I've been with the team for eight years now. But at that moment, Mazzani was my inspiration because I was at a point where I was in, I was at, I was at a point where I was in a, um, in, a, in, a, in a salon, where I was a salon owner, and I was moving at a faster pace than my staff. And I didn't really get inspiration from inside of the, 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 the salon. And so for me, like I was, I knew that something needed to happen, but at the same time, I knew I needed, I knew something needed to happen and I knew that I needed to figure out a way to empower and motivate them. And I think that that was my, that was my inspiration at that point. And so becoming a part of the team, it opened up so much more for me. You know, I was able to learn more about product knowledge, um, how to use products to do different things. I was able to, um, at that point, I dived in head first just with mm -hmm. Mazzani, but I also made it a um, quest for me to seek education outside of the salon. So I went into Vidal Sassoon's and um, Pivot Points and Grand Webs. I did okay. tons and tons of cutting classes, color classes, creative classes. I started doing photo shoots at that point, but... Um, Mazzani was kind of my segue to that because I, like I said, I realized something needed to shift, but I didn't know what. And I was like, well, maybe, I, maybe you know, I have a lot of information that I feel like I could share. Maybe if I partner with a brand or become an artist, you know, for um, a company, that that would give me a bigger platform to be able to meet people, to be able to share things with people and just be able to kind of learn. And um, that was my definitely, that was a high peak for me. Um, my other peak was, of course, the salon, like um, just having a salon redone. Um, like I said, it's definitely, it's such a beautiful space that, you know, I don't, I, you know, I just, it's just amazing. I think that they used every single square foot of this place and made it to where if we, we function well in the space. And I think that's important, too. Not just that it looks beautiful, but that we're able, actually able to function in the space. Mm -hmm. So that was a definitely a high in my career. Um, it is so clean. I mean, yeah. Still, after a couple months of it being yeah. 
be models. There's nothing on the countertops. Yeah. <laughs> Cabinets are completely clear. I'm going to yeah. take pictures and put them on the blog. Yeah. <laughs> it is so clean. Yeah, well, we, like I said, we are really sticklers for, it's three of us. The three, it's three of us that are on the team that are sticklers for making sure that this space stays clean. Mm-hmm. So myself, Van, and Catrice. I heard. Yeah, we're the neat ones. And so <laughs> um, when we come in, and they already know, like if it's the day that I'm working, if I come in this place, like the other day, like last Tuesday, Van came in and he was here before me. He cleaned the entire salon by himself. And when I came in, I was like, this salon's clean. He was like, it was terrible yesterday. Like if you had seen it, you would have went off and... And it's just funny because, like, we are, we, that's another thing that I always preach to them. You know, you have a beautiful space, but it's not going to stay beautiful if you don't keep it clean. And then it's light, you know, so we're very careful about hair color and, you know, where we put things and, and because we do a ton of color, like, daily. So um, it's very important to me that the space stays this way. And then I also need them to understand that, you know, that's also a part of service. You know, if client doesn't want to come in and see a bunch of stuff on the table and, you know, so, and then, you know, even social media, you can't take pictures and have all this clutter in the background. So it all, I think, goes back to us just making sure that the place is clean. All right. So that, that was your highest, your two highest highs. Uh, what about your lowest low in your career so far? Um, hmm. So my lowest low, I think that, like, I can't really, I guess the lowest part would be my transition from D.C. to Maryland. Um, Because I was in a space, again, and that was the year, so the year that I joined, well, the year after I joined the Mazzani team. No, it was maybe a couple years. But I was in a space where I was in Maryland, and um, I had a business owner, I mean, a business partner. And we weren't really seeing eye to eye. And so um, we had to separate. And the funny thing was the location that I ended up getting, we had filled out an application for the for the location together. And um, she the application came back and it was like, hey, you guys are approved. You can go. And she was like, I don't want to do it. And so I was at a point where I knew something needed to change again. And it's funny because like every four years, my body goes through this major change and it's like, I don't feel like I'm doing enough or I need to do something bigger or something better. Yeah. And so it literally happens every four years. And so, um, well, once the next four years, is this like, have we yeah. gone through your four years? <laughs> is it this year or next year? When so it's, next? Coming. it's coming. Like, yeah, okay. it's coming. It's Just probably give us the heads next up. Year. <laughs> it's probably coming like next year, I think. Okay. Um, because I promise like clockwork, it happens every four years. And it's funny because my husband tells me all the time, he's like, you got that four year itch. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we were partners, long story short, we were partners. We, I wanted to move. She did not. Mm-hmm. We were approved for a place. She said, no, I ended up, I had to go and I had to go by myself. And so, you know, it's it's almost like you're leaving your boyfriend behind or, you know, and it was tough. And it was a low point for me because, you know, we were so emotionally connected and we had been in business together for such a long time. But it came to a point where we were seeing things a lot differently. I wanted to run the business more thorough and more in one way. And she was more chill with it. And so I kind of realized, okay, this isn't working and I had to make the decision to leave her. Right. And um, so that was a, po- a point where, you know, it affect. we were very close friends. So it affected our friendship. And um, it was a tug of war because she was like, I don't know if I want to go. And she was a star stylist, you know. And I felt like at that point, just making that transition, I needed a star stylist, you know, that, you know, could help me rebuild this, this new location. And so um, I eventually moved, moved, and she eventually came, but it was really awkward for about a year. Um, but, you know, we eventually had to revisit it. We had a conversation, hashed some things out, and um, everything kind of just settled down. But that was definitely uh, one of my low points because I felt like I didn't, you know, sometimes you feel like you owe people stuff. And for me, being a natural, just a nurturing person, 
I always think about how someone's going to feel with the decisions that I make. And so um, she was not, she was not happy at all. And, um, but I had to, it was something that I felt like I had to do in order to, you know, for me to grow and for the business to grow. And I don't regret it because look where I, look where I've come. So, yeah, so that was kind of my low point. All right, well, if we could turn back the hands of time and you could uh, have a conversation with young Jamal, knowing what you went through and what you shared earlier on with me, what would you say to yourself? What would you say to young Jamal? Um, to young Jamal, I would say... I don't know. Like, I've really thought about, thought about this, and I don't know. Like, I don't know what I would say because I feel like... I'm a person that feels like, you know, whatever's supposed to happen, happens. And I feel like, you know, things happen when they're supposed to, not a minute before. And um, so I don't know if I would change anything. Well, I do think that, so what I would say is maybe focus earlier on. Um, because it was a, a point that I went through, I mean, a time, of course, that I went through where you know, I wanted to party and I wanted to have fun and, you know, it's it's real life. But I think that, I mean, people do that all the time, but I think that I would have just, I think I would have maybe focused a little earlier. Like, I don't know why, like when I came out of school, well, when I, in my teenage years, I didn't really want to, I felt like I didn't want to do hair. Like I ended up, like I, I knew I wanted to do, I wanted to be an architect. But I wasn't really sure. I knew I wanted to do hair, but not professionally. Gotcha. So I didn't know that. I don't think I just had the knowledge that it could take me as far as it has taken me. And I just looked at it as, you know, just being behind the hair, behind the chair doing hair. So I think that if I could talk to my younger self, I would probably just say focus a little, a little earlier on. You know, like coming out of like middle school, maybe I would have... Um, interned in a salon or you know right. went and became an assistant at an earlier age like I went into the salon as an assistant when I was like 18 so rather than going in 18 maybe I would have went in at 16 you right. know something like that but I do believe that like I said I feel like um you know everything happened and it happened when it was supposed to so I don't really have any regrets in you know my life or how things played out and I'm pretty grateful for like every single moment and everything that's happened to me because I feel like it's, you know, it's created who I am now. Is there a phrase that you live by? Um, yeah, consistency is key. Consistency is key. And that's with everything. Um, I just feel like, you know, the more you get consistent and people, what people don't understand is when you're consistent at something, it builds you know, like they say, practice make perf- practice makes perfect. Yeah. But if you're consistent at doing something, it becomes second nature. So the fact that you, you know, you have um, great customer service, at some point when you when you consistently do that, it's just second nature. Yeah, it doesn't feel like you're doing it at all. It's just who you are. You know, so I think that that would definitely be my phrase. Consistency is key. Yep. Okay. So now we are at the cool blast round. Okay. So this is where I'm going to fire you over some real quick questions okay. and you're going to fire me back okay. a one word or a one phrase answer. Okay? okay. It's like a game show. Okay. You ready? Yes. <laughs> All right. Name someone who inspired or inspires you and that you're dying to work with. Um, Chuck Amos. Chuck Amos. Okay. Wait a minute. Chuck, Chuck what's his name? The, the hairstylist for, is that Chucky? Chucky loves hair. Yes, 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 yes. At Chucky loves hair. Yes. <laughs> okay, find him on Instagram. All right, next question. Where can the Texture Lounge followers get the signature Jamal Edmonds experience? At Lamarge in the City. Where is that? In Washington, D.C. There you go. All right, name the top three services or looks your clients come to you for in the order of popularity. A pixie cut, um, the 3D coils, and a blowout with color. Pixie cut, 3D coils, 3D coils 
Blow out with color. Blow out with color. Awesome. Name one hair product your clients love and you can't keep on your shelf. Miracle Milk. There you go. 25 Miracle Milk. I think it just seems yeah, to be a favorite amongst it everyone. It's like, I'm telling you, the, the clients, if they don't smell Miracle Milk at the bowl, it's a problem. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No pressure. I guess we'll have to. Actually, we have something quite exciting coming out next year. Oh, with really? With to that. So okay. More to come. I can't spill it on the podcast. So. <laughs> um, any technology recommendations that help you to maintain and build your business? Is there anything that you're using, whether it's an app or social media tool that's helping you build your business? Um, social media, definitely. Um, I think that paying for the, 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 the ads on social media, it reaches um, a, a broader audience, a wider audience. So that's helpful. Um, and just keeping, keeping active and engaged in social media for us. Uh, for these specifically this location, um, Yelp has been a big deal too. Okay. So we do an ad on Yelp. Um, we they came in and created a video for us, and we pay for a Yelp spot. So when you Google salons in the area, we come up um, on the first wow. page. Yeah. So like I've been, you know, even though I didn't have a lot of a lot of um, training in business, like I learn a lot and I try to apply it to business every day. Okay. What are, what are the three products or tools you cannot travel without? Tools. Um, okay, so my Dyson blow dryer, of course. Professional? Yes, okay. professional Dyson blow dryer. Um, my product, I would say Thermosmooth. Okay. And um, another product, Miracle Milk. Okay. Yeah. And what are the, what's the best way for listeners to keep up with what you're doing? So you can follow me on Instagram um, at, at Jamal Edmonds, J-A-M-A-L-E-D-M-O-N-D-S. And you can follow either Salon, well, Limogenous City at, at Limogenous City and then Salon Limoges for the Maryland location. Finish the sentence. If in doubt. If in doubt. <laughs> this is always a tricky one to be in the Yes, end. I know. Um... Oh no, Tumi. This is if in doubt. If in doubt, come check us out. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> a silent sell at the end. If in doubt, just come to hang out with us. <laughs> Thank you for sharing yourself with the Tech Lounge. To all of our listeners, we've officially met Jamal Edmonds. He is officially TL approved. <laughs> um, do visit the, the, the featured section of the, of the blog to read more about Jamal and engage with some of the key touch points that he mentioned in this interview. And we will see you the next episode. Thanks so much, Jamal. That was awesome. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thanks for having me.